All right. Welcome back to another episode of Gain, Grow, Retain. Today, we have Mary Poppin, who is the Chief Business and Customer Officer at Involve.ai. Mary, uh, awesome to have you and excited we're finally doing this. This is uh, many many weeks removed uh, by my own doing, and uh, I apologize for the timeline delay, but I'm excited that we're getting to do this today. I am too. I've been looking forward to it. It's always fun to talk to you. Uh, I think we're living in different environments right now. Uh, I have like a sunny relatively sunny uh, South Carolina day down here. It's like going to be like 60s or so. Uh, I imagine your environment's a little different than mine. Yeah, I'm, I have snow outside. It's beautiful when you look at, you know, from the inside out and like, <laughs> yeah. it's uh, 26 degrees. Um, so yeah, this is the hibernation season in Minnesota. <laughs> uh, I like that. <laughs> I was going to say, what do you, you know, what, what are the activities that you, uh, that you envision doing most? And I would imagine, uh, you know, uh, anyway, staying warm inside, you know, you know uh, watching movies, reading books, I imagine are on the list. Um, so Definitely. Yeah. yeah, some people, some people love, you know, the snowmobile season. I much prefer jet skis on the 10,000 lakes in Minnesota. So oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah, I think, yeah, I think I'm gonna go your route too. Um, all right, we like to do a couple icebreakers to start. Um, so you have no you have no warning of what these are, but um, hopefully they'll be quick and easy, painless for you. Oh God! Uh, first question okay. that I'd like to to ask people is uh, if you didn't live in Minnesota, but you live somewhere else, we'll call it in the United States. Where where would that be? Where do you think you'd move to? Oh, in the U.S. Uh, okay. Hmm. I think I would go to Hawaii. Hawaii. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect weather, you know, almost all the time. Yeah. Uh, friendly people, great food, great chocolate. Um, I didn't know that about the chocolate piece. Macadamia nuts covered with chocolate. Oh, yep. that's gotta be good. Uh, <laughs> I think the Wi-Fi is in, in Hawaii. I don't know why, but in my mind, I'm, I'm thinking like, is there going to be like Wi-Fi challenges, you know, being out on an island that's um, from mainland, you know, from a uh, <laughs> like mainland, yeah. but who knows with satellites and stuff these days, it can't be that bad. Well, I know, right. I actually just saw on uh, the news that so Apple's release of iPhone 14 is going to have a satellite like SOS component, you know, emergency. Oh, component. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So I started thinking, oh, yeah, at some point, actually soon, probably we're going to get away from Wi-Fi and we'll just be completely like satellite, you know, access. We'll, well see. Yeah, it's wild to think about that. Um, all right, that was hopefully easy for you. But the second question um, that I like to ask people is, um, what if you were starting your own community um, around a hobby, around a passion, around something that you you know you do? What is what comes to mind for you? Like, where what what kind of community is um, is Mary starting? So, oh gosh, so there's I have two things that two things I love to do. Um, exercise. When I get the opportunity, I love doing varied activities, but I think winemaking, I would start a winemaking community and pull oh, people together awesome. on like unique flavors. And you know, what I think it's interesting. They have ice wine, which I had never heard of, but apparently it's very popular in Canada, which makes sense because it's yeah. got the same like climate that we have, but um, they pick the grapes like you know, right after they freeze, but they have to process it right away. Um, so interesting. Anyway, those kinds of things on the community and like learning about new ways of winemaking, I think would be pretty cool. That I would join that for sure. Um, my wife and I were fortunate enough. We got um, engaged at Napa Valley and had like, and so um, we've always loved wine. And um, that's like the only time I've ever been to wineries or kind of like wine making place, country, whatever you want to. Uh, and so 
that was like a very fun experience learning about like the process of making it, the types of grapes that they use, like all these different ways to store it and how it like it changes, um, you know, like the uh, climate changes, the grapes, even like year to year, even like the soil types and all this, like there's so many um, factors that like they have no control over of like how that changes the complexity and the taste of the wine. So it was like, so I, it was very fascinating. I felt like, oh my gosh, there's like a thousand directions that this could like go. So uh, I would definitely join that. It would be pretty fun to to keep learning about that. It would be cool. Yeah. Okay. So, that's nothing I'll do. And then I'll invite you to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that, hey, you know, that's maybe, maybe um, a future community builder here, you know, we can um, spur you on. We can get you. It'll started. be an open community too, by the way. Just yeah. Yeah. Me. Yeah. For anybody. Um, awesome. So I think, well, we were just chatting. There was there was kind of two things that were bubbling up for us that we felt like were uh, people were talking about more and more, and we um, wanted to, to just talk through maybe some examples around. And so, uh, I think the first that came up was just this idea of, of personalizing um, and personalization, and how um, that's really becoming a part of the customer journey, and not just on the post sale side, right? But um, teams from the sales and marketing are you know have always been thinking about okay. How do I make sure it's the right content or uh, the right message for the right person at the right time? Um, so now you're kind of seeing that um, move into that post-sale world and to customer success. And, you know, how do we do that? Uh, and then that also kind of brought up an interesting angle around um, the tech stack and how uh, that seems to be an ever-changing uh, aspect of a customer success leader's life is, um, you know, that there are tools to be introduced, uh, tools to be removed. You know, you're always trying to figure out, do I have the right things? Uh, what can I do with what I have? And um, and so I think there's a lot of complexity to kind of talk through there. But uh, maybe starting with that personalization piece, um, you've got this interesting role. Um, I think you're describing earlier, right? You've got this purview now, of not only kind of that um, renewal and upsell and kind of the post-sales world, but now you're also thinking about kind of the marketing and sales and go to market motions. So um, how have you approached or how do you think about that personalization uh, and, and kind of designing that customer experience and uh, customer journey? Such a great question. Uh, I'm really, I'm really passionate and excited about this because I think that I believe it's really customer success who has been at the forefront of, of identifying and executing on personalization. And with a high touch, I'm going to start on the high touch, like customer success model, you could get to know your customer to a level, right? That is extremely, um, I love to talk about customer intimacy, but you have that opportunity, you have that time, you have that kind of strategic outlook with that customer. And so you could personalize the QBRs, you could personalize the conversations, but how do you take that and make it more scalable, right? For the customers that aren't, that, that don't have a high touch model, how do you scale it? And that's really where the technology has come in and allowed you to not only, you know, uh, deliver communications, you know, on mass that feel personalized, but it's only possible really with data. So like the data and insights and analytics that exist by pulling data from multiple systems across functions and being able to look at customer behavior, customer sentiment, and the relationships across the customer experience, right? That yeah. you built this personalized high uh, high touch feeling experience yeah. without having a high touch model but then extrapolate that even further back in the process and you can leverage those insights and that personalization learning and now give it to sales and marketing right because you're looking at type of industry type of um, role that you're inter interacting with the customer um, product complexity like all of those kinds of things adoption the onboarding experience and adoption um 
indicators of success. And you can build that back into how do you, how do you approach your prospects? When you go in to talk to a CCO, what should your messaging be? And that yeah. should be different than the CRO or the COO with the same product because they have different outcomes that they have to deliver. And if you can touch on what's important to them from a value perspective, right? It's very different conversation, accelerates the sales cycle. And then from a marketing perspective, same thing. You are targeting, you know, those personas with the right messaging, the right outcomes and value proposition, but then carrying that through to your website so that if a CRO goes to, you know, opens up your email, goes to your website, they should feel that same kind of personalized messaging and experience and then carry that into the actual sales conversations and then into delivery and ultimately whether it's digital, you know, or high touch, that entire experience gets to be, you know, feel very personalized. Yeah. That um you said this this line in there that I wanted to like pull out, which was um giving people that personalized experience without having it to be like this high touch um uh, kind of human driven model. Right. And I think that that is like the ethos of like, what I think sometimes goes overlooked is that, um, when you think about scaling some of these interactions and then think about, okay, we want to drive some of this personalization. I think sometimes people jump to, oh, I need to personalize it for Jeff specifically when you can look maybe a little at a little bit of a higher level. Um, because sometimes the technology, you can go almost like build yourself into a, a pretzel, right? You can say, oh, I've got, um, I have, 17 different roles that I need to build personalized content for or build personalized tracks for and all these things, right? And that's maybe getting a little too far down the, the rabbit hole. It's like, okay, that might be, um, we might be personalizing just to personalize instead of actually trying to drive like the right outcomes. But I think getting back to what you're saying, right? Is like, hey, if we identified our kind of core personas and said, hey, here's two to three, now it just makes us a little bit more personalized if I can go and say, hey, we kind of know you, right? We, we can associate with who you are and, as a CMO, you care about this. As a CRO, you care about this. As a CCO, you care about this. Um, and that is a form of personalization, right? That's a fact of like trying to drive a little bit deeper of a relationship with that person. Um, but it doesn't mean you have to know their dog's name. It doesn't mean you have to go, you know, try and drive um, a specific piece of content because you know who it is, where they're from, the type of business they work for, and like all these 17 details, right? So I think I, I like your point that which I'm I'm taking away as like there are aspects of personalization and um, if you can find that right balance you can build kind of the right content and the right stories and messaging that are going to reach the right audience um, and then your tools can kind of back that up but don't over segment kind of don't over trying to oversubscribe to that just try and find kind of that right balance is what I think I was taking away from from what you were mentioning. Yeah, absolutely. And that does translate over into delivery. You start to look at the individuals that, so once you've sold the, the, the vision and the value, how do you actually execute on it? And that becomes, you know, you're dealing with administrators of, if it's a technology, right? Administrators of the solution, end users, and then like leaders or business stakeholders, again, kind of separate from the buyer, and so what does their journey look like? What do they need in terms of information and starting to target you know, newsletters that provide value for the leadership level versus for the administrators? And then very targeted campaigns um, to end users that help pull them back into the technology, but in a way that feels personalized because the what's in it for me is clear yeah. you know, in the messaging. Yeah, that in, in the... The um, what's in it for me ends up a lot of times like being the thing that people care about the most, right? Like, as I mean, we're all 
naturally we're all kind of selfish creatures. It's like, we care about, you know, what's going to help me uh, go get forward through my day most likely. And so the more that we can kind of relate back to that and tell those stories, then it's going to um, help us drive kind of the right outcomes. The other thing that I was just thinking about um, as you were talking to is that there, um, if you start to uh, kind of create, let's just call them these personas or these um, kind of profiles and, and those start to carry throughout the organization, right? You start to create um, a lot of internal efficiency as well. So you've got kind of a dialogue and nomenclature that is going to start to carry through if you kind of know uh, those types of things. But then I started to think about too, um, connecting customers also becomes a little bit easier, right? If you kind of say, hey, um, you know, we have these kind of two to three core personas. Now, once that person, let's just say, purchases the product, gets through implementation, you know, they're kind of in that onboarding phase, you could reach out and say, hey, would you want to be connected with three to four people who are your similar kind of role persona, they're trying to accomplish the same things that you are with our products, wouldn't that be a benefit? Um, and now it just makes it easier for your teams to identify those people and say, oh, okay, cool. I can connect them with, you know, these three to four people. And it becomes almost like this um, grassroots community that you're starting to build, but it, it just becomes a fabric of way you can connect your, your customers together, which at the end, I think also benefits you too. Which is awesome because so much that we've been um, relying on in the past is let's connect the same you know CEO to CEO or CRO to CRO or industry to industry but there's but there's more than that the bigger value add is when you can connect people that are trying to solve the same problem they don't have to be in the same industry or even the same size you could connect yeah. them in an enterprise customer that are trying to tackle the same thing you know maybe the enterprise customer rolled out a new product and the mid market company is just trying to get their product like you know, scale it and get it off the ground. And so that I, I think for community, there's an opportunity to separate um, user groups um, or use yep. cases, right? By that kind of like challenge or even outcome-based focus. Yeah, that, um, and I've seen it, I've seen you, I've seen people try and capture that in a couple of different ways too, like throughout the onboarding, you know, trying to, hey, let's prioritize kind of one, two, three. And we, we document that um, in the Salesforce record, or we have that kind of, captured somewhere. Um, I've also seen in product, like I've seen some some solutions actually build that into like their admin, which is kind of like a, hey, what's your priority number one? And you kind of get your your customers to fill that out. And then that is something that you're, you're able to pull in the back end. But I think, um, I think to your point, right? Like the, almost the single common denominator most more often than not is, hey, what's like the thing you're trying to accomplish? And um, whether you are big or small, it just depends on like how many resources you can throw at the problem really. And so like your problem is still the same, um, but it's still good to connect people because that's where I think we see a bunch of ideation happen, you know, sharing ideas across the, the spectrum on how to go accomplish those things. Um, the the other, like the last thing I was just gonna mention around this, this personalization as well is, um, is trying to figure out um, how you can also just give little nuggets of information like that to your, your teams in like the right way, right? So, um, how can you make sure and um, capture some of this stuff ahead of time? So throughout the implementation cycle, uh, maybe it's through the sales cycle, right? Uh, I think sometimes we kind of um, bash on these processes where we're saying, hey, let's capture this information and let's put it in the Salesforce record before you can move to the next stage. Or, hey, let's through the onboarding cycle, we need to capture this before you move to that last milestone and we set them live. And I think there's sometimes an interpretation of like, oh my gosh, I have to fill out this information or, you know, hey, this is like so cumbersome to fill this stuff out. But if done right, like you can see how that stuff might compound and build on each other, right? The the information we learned in the sales cycle, 
you know, you kind of reaffirm that and add to it in the implementation cycle. Okay, great. Now we kind of reaffirm that and add to it in the CSM phase. And so now you're starting to build this profile and starting to say, oh, okay, we're just uh, enriching this data. And now this gives us options. This gives us different points where we can say, um, hey, maybe we don't want to build all of our content in, around, um, you know, an attribute, or we don't want to build um, campaigns or cycles around that. But maybe we want to throw together a user group and say, hey, let's just meet with 10 people who are in this certain attribute and let's go find them. Like that becomes valuable down the line. So I think um, that was the other piece I was just going to mention is that I know um, coming from the individual contributor side early in my career, I used to say those things like, oh, I have to fill this out before I can move on to the next stage. But um, that information can build and it can become really valuable. A hundred percent agree. Uh, you know, the other thing I was thinking related to personalization, um, and I can't remember exactly what you said, but it triggered this for me, which is so often like it's really easy for marketing and sales and even customer success, especially when you're busy to um, roll out communications or share information that is product centric or our company first, right? Let yeah. me tell you our feature and you know why you should use it. And let us tell you about our messaging and our mission and blah, blah, blah. But the reality is if you are you target that information with, let me tell you about how we can solve this business challenge, or let me tell you about how we can partner with you on this priority. And then you start to introduce like here's features or functions or right the way that we can partner with you. But if you don't start with that message first, it becomes very much like a push of what you want them to know yeah. instead of how you're going to solve their problem. I don't know. It, it doesn't, it, it can be very subtle, but if you're personalizing messaging, making sure that you're doing it with the what's in it for me or coming from the place of the challenge that, that they're trying to solve is going to get their attention and keep their attention. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, I was just going to say that is like the, um, I spend a lot of my time thinking about um, copywriting. I've, uh, I don't know, it's become somewhat of a passion of mine. Uh, I've taken a bunch of courses in it recently. And um, I've just realized, I think it has become a big way that you can gather attention. Um, and I think it's kind of underrated from marketing and customer success teams. And it, I, I love your point that, um, you know, thinking about that subtle, even it could be a very small shift, but even, um, using language that starts to uh, assimilate much more of a partnership or a we aspect versus a, like you said, let me push you this message. Uh, even subtle changes like that starts to change the dichotomy of how they perceive what they're receiving. Um, and then the other thing I've just picked up on recently and I've tried to always adopt is um, this idea of just a little bit more casual and approachable. Um, I think where we're moving, you know, in kind of the world is that um, we all can kind of differentiate we all kind of know now like what seems like an advertisement and what seems like um something that's kind of being an ad towards me versus something that feels much more of like a partnership relationship and um i think the more you can kind of lean into writing like we're talking right now um i think that's actually going to go a long way with how you kind of build those customers with you in that hey we're we're in this together we're trying to solve these things um as a group dynamic so i'm on that i'm on that page too i think that that can go a long way for teams um, to be thinking about. Love it. Is there a way um, that your teams have thought about, you kind of um, have mentioned this a couple of times, like the what's in it for me, right? So have you thought about, um, or are there ways now that your kind of CS team helps share some of those insights with maybe sales and marketing kind of um, vice versa, but like, are there ways that you've tried to kind of share that information of like, hey, you know, at the end of the day, um, our customers are, are ending up caring about X. So how do we, 
you know, maybe reference that or position that more in some of our sales and marketing materials that is that kind of happening for you right now? It is. Um, we do shift, you know, messaging on our website or our marketing messages based on what we learn about each kind of individual um, personas um, of the ICP. But more than that, what I think is really exciting for me and my team to see is that the information we're gaining on our customers specifically and like user adoption or admins and the type of maturity of their organization um, could be type of industry, but also like what's going on, like the economy is affecting our customers differently. Yep. Each of them, I like to call customers snowflakes because I truly think we've tried to get so efficient in our businesses that we've started to treat customers with like this blanket approach. So like yeah. here's the value prop of our solution. So you should use it this way. But if you look at every customer like a snowflake, you can still apply best practices and gain scale and like common rollout, but you can treat the customer differently and you can talk about how it's solving their problem differently. You know yeah. what I mean? And you can even you can even vary the um, sequence in which you're attacking different use cases, you know, based on that customer specific, you know, needs. Um, and so what we're doing is identifying early those indicators for our customers that will help us optimize, you know, value against their priorities. And so we're able to kind of roll that back into delivery early, you know, yeah. with the customer and provide them ongoing kind of, um, guidance and be able to be more prescriptive for them into how they get value in, from our technology, you know, but it's all driven on, we're looking at the insights, we're looking at the uh, data levers for each of our customers that tell us the story of how they're doing. So we can be proactive and build that back in. So that's, that's a level of personalization that we're doing with each customer based on the insight that we have, but we can take the aggregate of that and roll it back into marketing and sales, right. And, and how we're positioning the way that we solve their problems. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 And that's, um, cause I think that at the end of the day too, like the, like I think uh, our our customer success teams uh, end up being close to those customers for such a long period of time that they start to hear and feel and see those um, those outcomes, like you said, like the things that we're winning against, uh, the outcomes that we're helping to drive. But I think they just start to develop, um, in some cases, like this nomenclature. They start to kind of see and hear kind of the the things that are happening between the cracks. And um, to me, that's where. It, it sounds like, right, hey, how can we get our teams to be thinking of those and then um, kind of sharing those things earlier in the process so that we can um, continually improve um, how somebody is being marketed towards or the sales. But then that, you know, again, I think given your role, it seems like, okay, um, how can we share these insights across the board so that it does feel like we're we're kind of pulling this customer through this journey, right, where it feels very um, coordinated and we understand and have kind of this verbiage and nomenclature together. Um, but I think that, customer success teams, uh, especially in my career that I've noticed, sometimes they stay close to the customers for so long that they um, sometimes also don't think about how um, a small insight could go a really long way. Like I know, you know, we've got um, our business at Higher Logic has been around for 10 plus years, 13 plus years now. And, uh, and sometimes you might come across something that happens internally and somebody might kind of gloss over the fact, hey, we've got this, uh, we have this great, um, uh, template or tool that we've rolled out, or hey, we we kind of built this um, structure, you know, for 
um, communities and they might kind of gloss over it and I'll say, oh my gosh, that is like so big. And they're like, really? Like I kind of do this every day. And it's like, no, we should figure out how to package it up and go tell more people about it and show our expertise. And, and so I think that's the other piece that I just noticed is like getting the CSMs and um, your other customer facing teams to be thinking about those kind of moments in the cracks, because I think that's also where you, f- you start to differentiate like, oh, um, hey, did you know that uh, our, our most successful customers surround our product with teams that look like this or processes that look like this. And like you said, it doesn't have to be a, you should do it always this way. But if you make those suggestions, you can then start saying, would this work for you? Oh no, well, okay, let's think about how could we change this slightly because you know your business might be a little different, but those stories at least give you like the baseline to work from. So you're not starting from scratch each time you're, you're suggesting something that says, hey, this might be a best practice, but let's adapt it to your, your org. And that's personalization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true, right? That is right. like the, the thing you're trying to crack um, more often than not. The um, the so thinking about personalization, and I I'm I'm just curious because I feel like in your um, throughout your career, you've probably had to make many technology decisions, and I just wanted to maybe get a little bit of an insight from you. Um, I think the tech stack is going to become more complicated as we go forward. It's just you know more come to market. Um, you know, there's more tools that can be helping um, customer success leaders out there. And so I don't know if there's just been, um, you know, different types of, of um, strategy sessions or ways that you've tried to kind of build um, your tech stack in the past where you um, kind of have these moments of, you know, hey, let's kind of evaluate these things. Um, you know, will this work? Will this not? But I feel like there are probably people out there who struggle with that um, uh, shiny object syndrome, you know, hey, oh my gosh, what's the next thing? How do I add it to my tech stack? And so, um, how have you just kind of built those decisions in the right kind of foundation of like, okay, you know, here's here's the tech stack that we need to go forward with. And here's, you know, the right next thing to add. We have the resources to do it. We have the team to do it. So um, I don't know if there's an exact question, but how, how have you navigated that before? <laughs> it's a great question. Um, and it has not been easy. That's what I'll say. But I mean, wouldn't it be awesome if there were just one magic bullet solution that did everything you you wanted it to do when you need, you know needed it to do it in the way you needed it to? But the, well, there's a couple things. One is <laughs> your tech requirements come with a price tag. So you're always in a position where you're looking at what can I do and like, how can I put these, you know, solutions together to meet my needs and fit into my budget. Um, But I would say before even thinking about that, because I think then, so that can hamstring you because you might roll out a solution just because it's less expensive sooner than what you really need. Or you might have to backtrack to unwind certain things because you didn't implement the right solutions at the right time. So that said, the first thing I'll, the first thing I'll say is there is, it's very unlikely you're going to have one solution that you can put to meeting all of your business requirements. So I'll use a digital experience, a a digital tech touch model for um, delivery as an example. There isn't, there isn't going to be one technology that you're going to be able to use to, to fill all the needs. What I what I've put in place for a digital model in the past is to have um, your CRM information linked to a customer success platform, linked to a support platform, a community platform, and an LMS, and then tie all that together with an intelligence or insights platform that will allow you to track the entire customer experience and personalize that journey, but across each of those technologies doing what you need it to do. Meaning some of them are gonna be able to do your uh, mass 
communications, right? And automated yeah. communications. Your support ticketing tool is going to inform any um, kind of categories of issues that customers will have that you can then either put a human on or automate a fix, right? And so all of these things working together, the community being an aspect of self-help and customer stories without you having to be in the middle. And um, and then your and then again, like your support tool could be 24-7 and your community. And so now, right, uh, yeah. you're solving the customer problem with all of those things and the customer is getting what they need when they need it, right? The time they need it. A human intervention is only needed for those customers to get stuck, right? Or if you're going to do a proactive outreach to get them to adopt certain features. So that's kind of a long-winded <laughs> response. But the bottom line is, you know, you kind of need to lay out the what you want to achieve, what's the outcome, yep. what does that journey look like, and then be able to look at the technologies that can best provide that. Yeah. And your budget. Yeah, yeah. And there's a couple of things I just pulled out um, that I think you you touched on there too, which is um, the your last point right there, I think was a big one, which was, um, I think there's some assumptions that are being made where it's like my customers now expect that they should always have a CSM if they purchase a solution. And I think that's a little bit of a wrong assumption that we're going off of. Um, like you said, I think there's that that balance, right? Hey, how do, how do we deliver the great customer experience that we want to? And if it involves a CSM, okay, can we do that in the right ways for our business and deliver that great experience? Um, and so I think just asking yourself that question, because I think we've almost over-indexed, it's like, okay, CSM on every account. And that's just, now you've got ratios that are one to a thousand and you're like, okay, this doesn't really, yeah, you're like, this isn't really. Um, so I think that's a, a really big point that you just mentioned, um, not to gloss over. Um, the second one that um, you had mentioned that that kind of sticks out for me too, right, is uh, thinking about is is um, the, the budget and the dollars and how that's going to go, right? Is, can I is it more effective for me to think about this from a human perspective and like adding a headcount or is it a better perspective of, hey, a technology can fill this gap? And I think being honest and asking yourself that question can lead you to um, really fruitful discussions with your teams, right? Your teams actually might come to you and say, hey, I don't need an additional CSM to take accounts for me. I need, um, you know, I need this solution to help me do X. You know, I'm spending so much time on onboarding um, onboarding emails. Oh, great. Can we automate those in some way that's still personalized, but we now get some time back instead of doing that. So I think that's like the second question that you um, had called out there. And then I think the third one I was just gonna mention that you, you called out is this uh, idea of connecting all that data together. Just um, I think being cognizant of, you know, um, what is the right data repository that we can then like pull this information back out? Like, I think sometimes we, we get caught in the fallacy of like, hey, let's just shove it into Salesforce records because that's our source of truth. And that's our uh, our system of record, which those that can be true. There, I always think like two things can be true at the same time. That can be our system of record and that can be our source of truth. But I also can push that data into something else that is um, better built for handling data and architecture and having a way that says, hey, I can push this data in and I can easily visualize it. That gives us actionable insights. And so I think that's just another piece that I would say don't gloss over. Um, so um, those are the three things that I took out of your your answer. So I just made your long-winded answer longer because I just uh, you know, <laughs> re replayed it back for you. I love what you pulled out though. hundred percent agreed. Yeah. We could talk all day. Um, I know. Yeah. It, it, yeah. These go by fast. Um, well, this has been fun. So I think, you know, just the, the couple of things that um, I was really taking away that I wrote down from our conversation today was uh, the personalization piece, you know, find the right balance. How can you 
capture some of the information and build some of the personalization into your customer experience. Um, but it doesn't need to be, you know, the 17 pieces of information about an individual person. Just how can we find some of those aspects that, like you said, we can develop the structure, we can personalize it, and then we can, you know, kind of drill down for each customer from there. So I think that's like the big one um, I took away. And then the tech stack wise, just thinking about uh, asking yourself some of those right questions, you know, um, you know, does this require kind of a human element? Can we introduce some technology? Uh, how do we think about stitching the data together? So I think those are um, a couple of just big pieces I pulled out. But Mary, this has been fun. Um, Always. What If people want to find more about you and more about what you all are doing, um, uh, what's the best place to do that? And where should they go? So I will say a lot of the stuff we talked about today, I actually wrote a book. It's called Goodbye Churn, Hello Growth. And Anybody watching can get a free copy. Just go to our website, um, involve.ai, and you can request a copy. And then just check out the customer intelligence and, and all the stuff we talked about today related to the insights and the ability to pull that data together in order to tell the story and know where to focus your, you know, your resources and your action. Awesome. I love it. Um, I will actually have to go uh, pick up that book, too. Somehow that slipped by my reading list. So um, I'm going to go request a copy for that. Please do. Yes. I'll make sure you get one. Awesome. All right. It's been fun. Uh, Mary, I'm hoping to do this again here soon. And uh, I really appreciate the time. This has been great. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you. All righty. We'll see you soon. Hey, everybody. Jay here. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. You know, this started as a labor of love for Jeff and I a couple of years ago, and it's really turned into a movement around customer success and community, and we couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of it. Um, we grow this by word of mouth, so we'd, we'd love it if you're willing and you find value in what you hear on this podcast. Leave us a rating or a review on, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It'll help us grow and, and provide value to more customer success professionals. Also, if you haven't yet, please sign up for Gain, Grow, Retain, the online community it's gaingrowretain.com. You can meet other people, make one-on-one -on -one connections, share ideas, get ideas, grow your career ultimately. Um, be on the lookout also for live events, both in-person and virtual this year. We're excited to get back to that. And thanks for being part of the community. We look forward to talking to you soon. Mm -hmm.